At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Our shadow's the same as Lyra's dust. Yes. And is dust dark matter? Yes. So dark matter is conscious? Evidently. <laughs> the mind that's answering these questions, it isn't human, is it? No. But humans have always known us. There's more than one of you. Uncountable billions. What are you? Angels. Angels? Yes. Angels are creatures made up of shadow matter, of dust. Yes. And shadow matter is what we call spirit. From what we are, spirit. From what we do, matter. Matter and spirit are one. You've always been there. Making, stimulating, guiding. So does that mean angels have intervened in human evolution? Yes. Well, why? Vengeance. I'm sure many of you recognize this clip from his Dark Materials, a very Gnostic-influenced story. I won't spoil on whom the angels want vengeance. But I guess in the end, it's about perspective. In this eternal now, we'll be indeed dealing with angels. Our astral guest, Maximus Tyrannus Avery, provides a positive view on working with angels. He arrives to the virtual Alexandria to discuss his new work, Book of the Hidden Name, Magic of the Shem Ha Mifarash Angels. This book is a complete angel grimoire you need right now if you're a practicing magician or theurgist. A seminal work in modern occultism. But first, take a guess where you have also materialized in. Trust the gods, Leonidas. I'd prefer you trusted your reason. This is blasphemy! This is madness! Hush! Hush! Today I'm by Gnostic Radio, an initiation by conversation into the dark corners of myth, magic, and meaning. A crash course in cult culture and conspiracy. A virtuous virus invoking and informing history, holiness, and heresy. Each week I, your host Miguel Connor, commandeers your connection to bring the most accepted and rejected scholars and provocateurs to your attention. Fun, 
compelling, and deeply weird. This is the blow-your-mind cocktail party conversation you always wanted to listen in on. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. There is no spoon? Then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. Where hope dies, imagination must live. And thus, we freaks and outcasts, we high priests and priestesses of Sophia and Hermes, break the bars of the black iron prison. Rise from the ashes of a hopeless society to lead others into adopting better stories. Embracing liberating myths and just remembering how to laugh again. <laughs> we just had a near-life experience! As Robert Frost said, Forgive, O Lord, my little joke on thee, and I'll forgive thy great big one on me. And as Oscar Wilde said, We are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at stars. I am not a number. I am a free man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. I am your greatest admirer. You are the final authority, have always been. So beautiful before they made you forget. You no longer have to deny your potential. Yes, these are bruises from fighting. Yes, I'm comfortable with that. I am enlightened. Despite what New Age and Orthodox haters might say, the Gnostic way is the most positive way. After all, it's only when you realize how bad things are, how low you've come down in the chain of being, that you will get off your monkey ass and do something about it. Not get lulled by your smartphone, Netflix binge-washing, mating with the next-door neighbor, or the useless make-the-best-of-it attitude that has infected most fates. As they say in AA, you know you've hit rock bottom when you stop digging. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. Regretfully, Humanity, as a collective, isn't even close to letting go of the shovels. Unless it's to bury its consciousness under more denial bullshit. But you are. Because you can't stomach having your standards lowered yet again by the powers and principalities, by that wickedness in high places. You just can't. Hitting bottom isn't a weekend retreat. It's not a goddamn seminar. Stop trying to control everything and just let go. Let go! With the contraband truce of the Gnostics, you can tackle those existentialist and ontological and moral problems that keep humanity asleep at the shovel. You can start reaching out to the least of your brothers. This is not world-hating. This is world-restoring. This is being alive. 
Human beings make life so interesting. Do you know that in a universe so full of wonders, they have managed to invent boredom? And yes, the Gnostics went against the grain when it came to angels. Very different from the approach Max takes in his Book of the Hidden Name. The Gnostics thought the angels wanted vengeance against humanity, for we are higher than the gods, as the Apocalypse of Adam states. We store a shard of infinity no other entity possesses. But to each his own, and the word angel is so loaded anyway. But yes, from Simon Magus to Paul to Ellen to Mary Magdalene, the Gnostics saw the universe as being taken hostage by fallen angels, or astral union thugs called the Archons. Did you ever notice how in the Bible, whenever God needed to punish someone, make an example, or whenever God needed a killing, he sent an angel? Did you ever wonder what a creature like that must be like? A whole existence spent praising your God, but always with one wing dipped in blood. Would you ever really want to see an angel? However, the term angel is often used in works like The Nature of the Archons to refer to non-Sophia emanations of the Pleroma in the material world. The mighty Eleleth being one example. Fiery the angels fell, deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of Orc. Lordy, lordy, and regardless, it always seems there's a complex spiritual conflict above us, within us, doesn't it? A labyrinth of entities and their machinations, with our brittle psyche the main prize. I mean, I was named after the Archangel Michael and have worn a necklace with his depiction of fighting Satan for most of my life, given to me by my mother when I was born, as is a tradition in Portugal. Yet my relationship with Michael is troubled as I consider him one of the manifestations of the Demiurge. Ironic, huh? And I'm sure you got your own metaphysical Chinese finger trap. Heck and heckity, my mother taught me a guardian angel prayer as a small child. And every night, I still perform that prayer. Not for protection, but because I don't want Michael to eat my fucking soul. Ironic too, huh? The angels are coming for you, but listen, your life could depend on this. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. It seems we just can't get out of the game, any game. As Bob Dylan sang, you're just gonna have to serve somebody. And if it's serving your higher self, that might end up being an angel in the end. And Philip K. Dick did say, Man is an angel gone deranged. Some people lose their faith because heaven shows them too little. But how many people lose their faith because heaven shows them too much? What's the solution? 
That's up to you. Don't let any guru or teacher or master tell you otherwise. And if they do, they are servants of Yaldi Baldi and his bitch wife Agnoya. But from the Gnostic and Kabbalistic perspective, as the texts claim, you are so much more than the angels and always will be. You are where the fallen angel meets the rising ape, as death said in Discworld. You are that sublime place where the sacred and the profane meet, the temporal and the eternal, the potential and the tragic. You are a human being, and your imagination is in the image of the God above God. You know, they say that dreams are real only as long as they last. Couldn't say the same thing about life. Your life is yours to create. As for angels, William Blake did write. I have always found that angels have the vanity to speak of themselves as the only wise. This they do with a confident insolence sprouting from systematic reasoning. And as writer Phil Roxo wrote, Angels are beyond longing, angst and pain therefore are cursed to be imprisoned in the stasis of paradise. In contrast, we human beings' passions compel us into earthly existence despite the fear involved and the inevitability of suffering. In this manner, our apprehension, combined with the courage to continue onward, transmutes raw passion into compassion. The archetypal agency of redemption is in play. This is the manner that writing and other creative enterprises act as a midwife of rebirth. We can make anything we fancy in this arena of infinite promise. And this is what we come up with? Weapons? War? Surely we have more imagination than that. Again, up to you, and you are the final authority. I am just your pompadus of gnosis, a passing light in your journey of unavoidable awakening. My sacred purpose is to be inspired to inspire you so that you may inspire others, even angels. Let us to our interview with Max. When God chose your kind, as the object of his love. I was the first in all heaven to bow down before you. My love, my hope for mankind was no less than his. But I have watched you trample that gift. I've watched you kill each other over race and greed. Wage war over dust and rubble and the words in old books. And yet in the midst of all this darkness, I see some people who will not be bound. I see some people who will not give up. Even when they know all hope is lost. 
some people who realize that being lost is so close to being found. You are the reason I still have faith. This is the A.M. Byte interview. And with us, we have the pleasure of being joined by Maximus Tyrannus Avery to discuss his book, Book of the Hidden Name. Max, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure's all ours. And with us, we've got the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing? I'm doing very well tonight, Miguel, and uh, looking forward to another interesting interview. Oh, indeed. I enjoyed the book. I got plenty of insights, but before we really delve into it, uh, maybe we could learn a little bit about yourself, Max, and uh, how you came into the occult and the esoteric practices. Sure. Um, I I think I probably have a, a similar origin story to a lot of other folks that I hear come on various shows and talk about things that I just, you know, uh, grew up southern small town, uh, you know, general Christian background, and started kind of exploring on my own through the the benefits of the internet <laughs> at a young age, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, learned what I could through through a lot of different systems, and uh, slowly started coming around uh, to find other people in the area that I could connect with, and uh, just buying up as many books as I could, and, and reading everything to kind of see what made sense and what what seemed to work with uh, my philosophy and, and you know, what actually caused change in action when I was able to apply it to, to whatever I was trying to manifest or alter in my life. So um, I'd say that it's, it's been something that I've, I've gone back and forth with over the years um, trying to find, you know, the proper way to integrate magic and, and the occult into my, my daily life uh, and probably in the past, past three years, it's become more and more of a forefront. And uh, this particular topic um, was something that, you know, for for the longest time, there was a lot of disconjointed information. Um, It was really hard to find anything solid because you'd you'd go through various texts and get a little bit of info. But by the time that you were trying to actually work a system, you had five books open and and a huge page of notes. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it was really more of my personal journal, um, you know, working with these angels that I was like, there's gotta be other people that are frustrated out there. <laughs> and so I kind of decided to, to put it all together and, and try to make some sort of sense out of it. Where someone that was just now starting to, to dive into this was able to get it a little bit more digestible and, and make use of it without, you know, buying an entire library worth of <laughs> various documents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those books. And uh, going to your life, um, I had a friend, and he also grew up in a uh, Southern, well, a Southern Baptist uh, mm-hmm. culture, and he decided, well, this is not for me. I actually sure. am traumatized by it, so I'm going to become a Satanist. But then right. after a while, he was like, oh, man, shit, I'm, I'm still in the same mythology. I got to wake up to Yahweh every day. Right. So he decided to go full on pagan. But for yeah. somebody like you, how do you see? Because you're still kind of, again, working in the same mythology. You say you're just sort of expanding mm-hmm. the view that uh, our Orthodox religions denied us. Yeah, I, I think that it's one of those that 
that there's a lot of good takeaways from from any religious system that you look at. You know, there's always the good the good lessons and the good principles and everything else like that. But it's just become bastardized over over the years for people taking advantage of you know whatever power they were seeking to gain by creating the structure of the religion itself. And so by kind of taking the reins off of that um, and being able to look at things from, from the 30,000 foot view and say, what, what makes sense in this? What's real? Um, what actually is applicable? And then, you know, working through whatever you want to call it as far as, uh, you know, mythology or, or the pantheon or whatever. Um, if it clicks, it clicks, you know, and that's, that's one of those things that's just kind of undeniable to me is that when I actually have physical sensation or, or, you know, start receiving information, I'm not going to deny it and say, well, I don't like the way that these spirits look, so I'm going to do something different, you know? So <laughs> it's just a matter of, um, even though that, that it wasn't necessarily traditional Southern Baptist Christianity that made sense to me, that's still, um, working within, you know, Abrahamic faith ultimately, um, led me this direction one way or another. So. I think also the surprising thing, Max, is uh, once you get away from the official narrative of the Abrahamic religions, you find Mm -hmm. out that, uh, I'm sure you found the same thing, that uh, those ancient Jews, Christians, and Muslims were really knee-deep in magic, folk Mm -hmm. magic, summoning, working with angels. It's like, man, these guys were real magic users underneath the hood. It. uh, I think it ultimately came down to that, that had to get masked because it was a lot harder to get 10% out of people's paycheck at the end of the day and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and keep them in, in line the way that you wanted to. So, uh, you know, certain things got edited out, you know, maybe it falls under the same mentality as the, the section two thirty stuff they're looking at for Facebook and Twitter right now for <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to keep things, things out of the mainstream to keep control over something. But, yeah, tale as old as time, but yeah, it is a rich sure. tradition, and your work mm-hmm. also does a great job of bringing some of these traditions, these entities that, uh, again, the ancient Christians, Jews, and Muslims worked with all the time and sort of got mm-hmm. uh, swept away. So this is good stuff. And uh, and how is your change? Have you are you still uh, you know nothing is really a cult anymore? Like you said, everything's on the internet. Um, yeah. Are you still pretty much flying under the radar with friends and family or you, you're out of the, uh, the occult closet? I think that it's something to me that pretty much everybody at this point knows that I'm into something. I don't necessarily talk about it completely openly with everybody just because it's one of those that kind of the same thing that religion and politics for general, you know, coffee table conversation is not always the best thing to do, but um it's nothing that I'm ashamed of or that I'm trying to hide because I don't, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong or taboo about studying this or, or using it in someone's daily life any more so than, um, you know, if you are of any other faith and go to a candlelight vigil or, you know, blow out birthday candles on your cake, you know, it's just a matter of how you look at things that way. So, um, that's not to say there wasn't a time that I, that questioned, um, whether I wanted to share this part of myself or not. Um, but, but anymore, it's just, this is who Max is. <laughs> and so take it or leave it. Um, and, and it hasn't really had any, you know, negative repercussions in, in my life, you know, and that's, and that's with me, you know, being involved in 
various, um, you know, political circles and business circles and everything else where one might think that it would become an issue. It just hasn't ever caused any problems for me. So. Yes, indeed. And uh, yes, you're a successful businessman and you also work in the occult. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you, and that's again, a question, I don't know if there is a right answer, Mm -hmm. but obviously there's always the, the question is, do I use this power do I work with these entities to help me better my life or mm-hmm. materially, or do I use it to expand my consciousness? I always like what uh, Damien Eccles said on the show. He said, look, the angels know my heart, so they, mm-hmm. they will give me what my heart needs if my heart is pure. True. Uh, what do you think? And he also said, well, if you're confused about your intentions, just do the, what, 90-10 rule, 90% right. for spirituality, 10% to pay the bills. Right, right. No, I, you know, Damien's, Damien's from here, uh, about an hour and a half from me. Uh, I haven't ever spent any time with him. He lives in New York now, but, um, when he was still locked up, we, uh, we used to do a bunch of benefit shows for, uh, trying to raise money for his legal fund in in Little Rock and everything else. I've got a couple of free the West Memphis three t-shirts upstairs still from (laughs) all the different things. So I've I've followed his work for a long time. Uh, I, I have a similar perspective on that you know there's there's the um there's always the need to try to bring prosperity into your life or or, you know alter a situation for your benefit and i don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that because if it's if it's not meant to be and it it needs to be um you know taken from a different angle you're going to get that feedback from these spirits uh to let you know why or how or, or no in general, but exactly. um, I think that the, the main path is that uh, the further you go with your spirituality and with your studies and meditation and everything else, the the less that you um, really feel the the desire to use it for that end necessarily. Um, so not to say that it's not there, but I don't. Things just kind of come to me and. I, I work through what I do that makes me happy. I enjoy my work. I enjoy business. Um, and it's not often that I have any real need to manipulate a situation outside of just the mundane hard work and putting my head to it, you know? Um, but that's, that's something that there are times that if I'm stuck at a crossroads or, um, not sure what decision to make, um, it's always a good idea to, kind of seek guidance and ask for, for what path, you know, needs to be taken, uh, to be illuminated. And, and I think that that's, that's a good thing to do too, because beyond just, uh, um, the material aspect of, of what that could present is that, you know, sometimes that's going to show you the lesson that you're actually needing to learn with whatever you're doing in, in business or relationships or whatever. So, um, Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just. Yeah, it's, it's I, like I think Yeah, I think that it always comes out to the same end um, with it. If if you're making the proper advancements in yourself and in your character, and um, I've found that through my meditations of of you know working through different systems and everything else that I don't get stressed out or have anxiety about what I'm trying to do with business because I just kind of trust that it's going to work out <laughs> and it does. So um, it, it's, it's comforting in that way for sure. Well said. And uh, what do you think Vance? Or do you have questions for Max? 
Oh yeah, Max. I was wondering: is uh, uh, working with angels like uh, would be in a traditional Abrahamic religion, where you know you would, uh, or you know, work with saints too, and so forth? And do you hear mm. back from them, or is it mostly in one way where you ask them for things in the wake? There's there's definitely feedback. Um, I have found um, I've kind of touched on this a little bit when I was. Uh, writing in the book, I, I talked about the importance of, of diet um, in, in being able to receive information. And it, it's not to say that I eat properly all the time or that I'm vegan or anything else, but I've found that the more I keep my body clean and physically fit, that the better kind of feedback I'm able to receive. Um, and, you know, there's definite messages that just start showing up in your brain one way or another. And so whether you want to call it that you, you hear the voices or whatever, um, when you're able to achieve that, that proper, um, trance state, um, you can definitely have a conversation with, with all of these spirits. Um, it's, it's different feedback, um, from one to the other. And I've found that each, each spirit kind of communicates a little bit differently. Uh, and that's, that's something that working through, um, you know, any of the, the Goetia spirits as well. Um, you get different personalities and different approaches and, some people are going to be loud and boisterous where some are going to be, you know, more passive and symbolic in their communication. But, um, I've had both. Um, and, and it's always interesting to see the pattern in the way that if you're, if you're working with the same angel over and over again, how they like to communicate because, um, it, it just really shows that they are each individual and unique in, in how they present themselves. Wow, that's fascinating. Do you think they have free will? I do. Um, it's it's definitely a different level of consciousness, um, and and so their decision process and and how they choose things is is different than ours, in my opinion. Um, but I think that there's um, room for them to decide how they want to help if they want to help in certain matters. On a side note, sort of a fun one, we always mm-hmm. like to ask uh, guests sure. this because people really, any movies uh, that you think do a good job of presenting the occult or summoning angels or everything's just to sensationalize, romanticize? What do you say? It, it's It's hard to find anything that's realistic to me because I think that the actual experience itself is so surreal that... Um, it's hard to put it into a film or a book or anything else like that. So I don't know that I could liken it to anything. I mean, I, I enjoy watching, you know, paranormal movies and different stuff like that. But at the same time, even though it's cool, I don't know that I've necessarily had any experiences like what you'd see in, you know, hereditary or, or something like that. <laughs> no Constantine. Um, I, <laughs> no, as much as, as much as I would like to see that happen, <laughs> it, it hasn't happened to me yet. So. Yeah, yeah, but Hereditary at least was pretty, I mean, it used a, a real demon uh, yep. and uh, pretty much used it well. So uh, any movies you say, well, yeah. these guys are being loyal to the source material? Um, there's, and I can't remember the name of it right now and without going and, and looking on IMDb, there's a, there's a German film from like the 40s, like late 30s, early 40s or something like that that's that's wow. completely crazy i'll have to find a link to it and send it to you later but yeah please do um, i'll share it with the audience yeah yeah it's uh it's probably the closest to an actual 
summoning being realistic that I could, I could remember. Um, it, it really shows somebody going through ceremonial magic and kind of weird faces appearing in the darkness and communicating with it and stuff. And it's going back and watching that and seeing Whoa. that it's so old is just like, wow, this is someone was into some stuff back, <laughs> you know, pre-World War II. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think pre-Nazi uh, cinema was pretty wild. Was yeah. Very avant-garde, <laughs> took a lot of risks and then, right. And things went bad. And uh, speaking of the Nazis, I always like to ask people mm-hmm. this. Do you, what is your view on ontological evil or spiritual evil or uh, demonic forces? There's, there's always you know, a balance in any energy that's out there. Um, but I think that, that all of these beings possess a certain duality themselves. And so you know, what you might see as a negative trait can be a positive trait to others and vice versa. It's like, what's the, what's the line in um, Hellraiser 2? Uh, Demon to some angels to others. (laughs) Explorers from the outer realms of experience or whatever. Great line. (laughs) um, You know, I, I think that that's, that's the takeaway in a lot of this is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that work solely within a demon system and find the same warmth and compassion and, and everything else in those spirits. And it's not necessarily something that they're even doing it for uh, anything nefarious. A lot of people are just seeking knowledge and truth and understanding. And, and I don't hold that against anybody for whatever their path may be, you know, so. You run into those Cenobites. Then things get a little <laughs> tricky. So. <laughs> As long, as long as it's in the first three movies, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah. I guess the third one I can give a pass. It's kind of like uh, the, the Aliens guy with the CD player Alien. It gets like fights yeah. in the street and explosions. And, right. But it's still fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other ones are god-awful. My God, yeah. it's amazing. when They just ruin such a great character. My understanding is it'll kind of encompass the book as a whole because, you know, Hellraiser one started out kind of halfway through Hellbound Heart, and so right. we'll see. We'll see if they manage to pull it off, kind of like Rob Zombie did with Halloween, and make it, you know, the the prequel to itself that actually makes sense. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and Clive Barker's now he's attached yep. himself to the project, so it should yep. be a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And um, for the audience, uh, Max's book is a, a catalog of. Uh, the the angelic order from different traditions with the rituals and everything but also as a great bonus the beginning of the book is a history of magic and this working with angels so you get the whole heavenly enchilada if you would so but uh, yeah so maybe we could share with the audience about angels and i was uh maybe i'd forgotten but uh angel magic has been around for at least three thousand years right Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this is something that you know, angel magic is is old and in pretty much all cultures at some level. You know, whether it's called something different or not, and it's just that um, over the course of time, it's fallen in and out of favor as far as taboo goes with the powers that be. You know, the, the church or um, the various rulers of whatever's going on as to whether it's going to be something that might get you beheaded or thrown in prison or uh, whatever the case may be, but it's um, it's survived in, in a lot of different forms. And this is one particular system that um, can be traced back for a long time. <laughs> so um, it's, it's definitely something that 
angel magic is different than other other forms of magic that you come across because it's just a very specific desire to work with these you know fragments of consciousness basically and so not to not to say anything against you know people that are doing just you know your standard candle magic spells or you know whatever the case may be it's just that this is this is a specific system working with entities that are eons old and um, they are very good in what their office is and they have you know specialized trades and abilities of their own that makes them well suited for whatever the task may be. And so the way that I've kind of laid out the book is, is describing this is um, putting each description of each spirit in the book and then arranging it with their abilities um, with an index in the back to make it a little bit easier to reference because I hate when I get a book and have to, you know, highlight everything and, and bend pages to try to remember where stuff is. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. But that along with, um, the proper correspondences to be able to work with them because each, each angel is its own frequency itself. Right. So the, the correspondences themselves, uh, and some people are going to probably get upset when they read the book because not everything's going to line up the same way that it does in golden dawn or something that way. Um, but this system is as true as I could make it after cross-referencing literally everything I could. And, then going back and, and working through the spirits and basically asking like, is this right? More or less yeah. Yeah, going to and, the source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I figured if, if something was off, you know, I might get some feedback and guidance and, and find the thing that I needed to find. You know, it seems like the, the, the mysteries that come about whenever you're trying to get the answer to something is you'll just kind of stumble across it and open up a, a browser window looking for something and end uh, up on a blog you didn't even know existed, but has all the info you needed, you know? So um, and that happened a few times going through this. Um, but, uh, it, it took me a while to put all that together, but this is, this is a very, um, compelling system that has been around a few thousand years now. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm excited to, I'm excited and honored, I guess, to be the one that, that was able to put it together into a complete book because, Oh yeah. People are going to get a lot out of it because again, the, the frustrations you hear from practitioners and all that, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's all, you, you definitely will save a lot of time and you'll grant a lot of, uh, good insights and connections to individuals. But, uh, mm -hmm. and of course, as you write, uh, magic has been going around. Even Hammurabi's code talks about mm -hmm. when and when not mm -hmm. to use magic and, this has been going on uh, forever. I mean, I didn't sure. even know this, but uh, Augustus Caesar ordered thousands mm -hmm. of magical books destroyed as you code. So yep. there's always been this sort of war to uh, stop people from going outside the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the taxable <laughs> right. controlled magic. And it's just not, again, not just the Abrahamic religions being oppressive, right. but the pagans themselves is mm -hmm. basically those in power want to, make sure you don't go on your own outside of the corporation. Sure. And it's, and it's, you know, like I said earlier and not to get too political with this, but it's just like, it's the same thing that we see now with Facebook censorship and, and stuff going on is just like, we don't, we don't like you looking at this. So we're going to make sure that you don't. Exactly. Exactly. Control the narrative. We got to, whether it holds any weight or not, it's like, they just don't even want people to have that question in their mind. And so it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're able to kind of erase those pages of history, at least for a time, 
and distract people with something else. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to, to keep them true to whatever system you have established that way because they just, you know, unfortunately don't know any better at that point. So. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. And uh, another thing I, I found very interesting and amusing, you write that the dreaded Maleus Maleficarium yeah. actually condones some forms of magic. Some, yeah. It's <laughs> it's one of those that as long as, uh, as long as you're on the right side of things that way. But it's, you know, in my in my thought process of that is I would hate to be the guy that thought I was doing it within the regulations and didn't <laughs> and <laughs> got, got lit up somewhere. But um, I don't know. It's, it's been, um, it's been such a back and forth. And I think that, you know, you and I are fortunate to live in a time that we are able to learn about this and, and practice and uh, talk about it publicly and not really have any risk of getting ourselves uh, executed or thrown in jail for it. So yeah, so far so good, but things can right. change in the drop of the hat. And uh, you also write, Max, that in the 13th century AD, an interest in magic from academics flourished. Uh, well, why is that? What what happened? Um, there's there's just a lot of a lot of texts that started to kind of resurface, and um, I think that that these things come up for one reason or another. Um, as if it's just kind of the, the divine will, honestly, is that you see these waves of interest that really aren't necessarily explainable sometimes. And it's, it's kind of a thing that we're, we're going through now is that, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. You look at your metrics for your podcast and everything else is that um, even 10 years ago, this wasn't really a point of interest for anybody, you know, to the, to the mainstream. And then now you get on, apps like TikTok and everything else. And it's just completely flooded with magic and witchcraft and the occult and everything else. And so, mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, it, sometimes it, I think that it might be, um, you know, some, some guidance from the spirits themselves that are saying, Hey, it's time to start looking at this again, or they have an agenda that they're uh, trying to usher in for mankind for some specific reason. And, and I think that's, that's something worth, um, you know, looking into whenever, whenever he's, um, big waves of interest start to pop up is asking that question of what's going on. That's causing everyone to turn to this all of a sudden, what, what has disrupted itself um, that's bringing this to the forefront of, of people's uh, you know, daily, daily life where they're, they're interested in it all of a sudden again, after never being interested in it for the (laughs) past 20 years of living or whatever. Yeah. At the same time, I'm sure you must agree. It's still, Mm -hmm. As much as occultism and paganism mm-hmm. is more open, mm-hmm. these are difficult times for it. And I've had many conversations on the show because uh, cancel culture mm-hmm. is out there. And there's been a huge movement to sort of uh, erase Aleister Crowley because mm-hmm. he was a man of his times. And men mm-hmm. of those days were different than men of our days. Sure. And that's been uh, very hard. And, of course, uh you can't mention Julius Evola, even though, you know, mm-hmm. he was he was pretty kooky, but his esoteric ideas are brilliant. You can sure. separate the personality from, you know, his, his scholarship. Uh, I'm, sure, do you, I'm sure you run into this, too. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know, I, I've always kind of been in that that situation. Unfortunately, some of the people that I enjoy and respect their work is not someone that I can 
say that I like to study because it, you know, it, it makes me suddenly a bad guy because I have interest in something that way. And it's, you know, going, going back to World War II and the Nazis is, you know, you, you look at um, Werner von Braun and the space program and everything else. And it's like, you know, you start talking about Nazis building rockets and, and going into outer space and then it, suddenly everyone gets upset about it. And you have to be able to find the balance in that and, and cancel culture makes that dangerous because we should be able to gain the knowledge and the good parts of anyone we encounter uh, to be able to integrate into the, the good things in our lives and not say, well, we can't read that because that guy did some bad things, um, you know, associated with this, this, and this. And it's, it's really unfortunate because there's so much that can be learned from people that, you know, were, were terrible people, but they, probably were really great scientifically or mathematically or anything else like that. So uh, the same thing applies to, to magic and the arts and anymore. It, it seems like there's a lot of people that go out of their way to try to find bad stuff about historical figures so they can be the one to get the notoriety for finding it and canceling them. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, who, who can we find today to go, you know, throw up some pitchforks about because we don't like what they did a hundred years ago. So exactly. Or anytime it's like, uh, had mm -hmm. a, a guest and he's uh, a Thelemite, but very mm -hmm. liberal guy. And when people mm -hmm. are like, well, well, how can you talk about Alistair Crowley's like, I'm not hanging out with him. I would never have a drink with him, but I enjoy mm -hmm. his work. I'll take what mm -hmm. I want and leave yeah. the rest. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, you know, if you, if you get into, uh, any of the, the Scandinavian um, religion and, and sorcery, um, you know, Varg Vikernes has put out some really interesting books and he got his, his channel deleted on YouTube for what they considered white supremacy and people stopped listening to Burzum and oh, everything wow. else because of, you know, things he was saying. Um, but the books are still great and they still are, are very good historical accounts that are important if that's the pantheon that you're trying to study. And so it's one of those that you're not supposed to talk about the guy anymore, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a slippery slope. And I think that people really need to watch that out, watch out for themselves on that because it's like the, the further you go, eventually you run out of people to cancel and then everyone kind of starts cannibalizing themselves in that. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh it's not I, yeah, I've, I've, I've had uh, Twitter mobs from mm -hmm. the conservative Christians and then the other side, the whatever socialist granola mystics come after right. me. So it's kind of like, it's a pain in the ass. It's yeah. unfortunate because uh, we, sure. like you said, it's a great time to share knowledge. This is mm -hmm. the time to learn from each other and grow from mm -hmm. each other and understand what our ancestors and other experts did wrong and mm -hmm. may do it better. Sure. Yeah, we can we can all agree that, you know, there's there's parts of everyone's past that we don't like, you know, myself included. There's there's things that I've said or done or something oh, like that that here. I don't like. So <laughs> maybe I should cancel myself. You know, I don't I don't know what you're not perfect, Max. You're not the perfect <laughs> snowflake. My God, how could you get how could you get out of bed? <laughs> What about you, Vince? What do you think about this issue? Are you uh... well? You know, it's a matter of trusting people, people trusting each other, mm -hmm. and well, I don't know why these days everybody thinks they're a judge. I mean, even me, you know, like I do plenty of judging, you know, not on 
people, but on groups mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's based out of fear. They're afraid that people will uh, gain too much power. Like, I mean, that's the whole issue with magic in general, why it sure. was persecuted and so forth, because they were afraid, you know, the leaders were afraid that magic could be employed to depose them, right? Mm-hmm. Or to defeat them in battle or whatever. So they would stamp it out. Um, except for themselves, of course. And then meanwhile, in the back rooms, they were practicing whatever they could. Sure. So that's my general the, feeling about it. The, the analogy that I like to remember about that kind of mentality is that if you have, uh, if you have a bucket of crabs, just, you know, 10 crabs in a bucket, they'll, they'll start trying to climb their way out. And as soon as you see one of the crabs kind of get to the edge and he almost gets out, you'll see another one grab up with one of his claws and pull him back down in. <laughs> and so none of them ever end up getting out of the bucket. <laughs> Sounds like that's, the earth. That's the kind of, yeah. That's the mentality that I think a lot of people have in this is they see someone start to do well with something and they have to find something to, to swat them back down. So Yeah. And with the Christians, like judge not lest mm-hmm. you be judged, you know, let he who is without right. sin cast the first stone. Exactly. Whatever happened to that? What happened to that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they only want to apply that when it's reasonable for their benefit, I think. So, are angels judgmental, do you think? There, there's definitely some judgment that happens. Um, you know, the, the justice component of some of these angels uh, is pretty powerful. <laughs> I've, I've seen uh, it in action, um, you know, for, for workings that I've seen people do with this system and others is that um, if they think that somebody's done something wrong and, and they're asked to intervene, I've seen them take a pretty swift step in the right direction on some of those things. So it's, it's interesting to see how that plays out sometimes. Wow. And I guess, well, we might as well get to the, as they say, the $64,000 question. Well, what is an angel when somebody comes up to you uh, and asks Max, what exactly is an angel? It, it is. That's one of those things that, that I, I can't necessarily put in a specific finger on because it is such a complex question that I think that, it's beyond understanding itself. It's like trying to describe a tesseract to somebody. It's just so difficult to say, this is really what this is because it's, it's beyond our dimension and it's beyond our perception. Um, so you can describe the aspects and you can describe the experience and you can describe the power, but it's really hard to say, here's what this is. And so the, I think the closest, the closest answer I can give to anyone is just to, to make contact and understand understand that for yourself because it's, it's almost kind of like the seeing is believing type of thing of understanding what you're working with. Um, but I, I feel, you know, there's two different schools of thought with this. There's, there's the, uh, the psychological model where, you know, people don't necessarily believe that there's anything outside of, uh, ourselves and it's all an integrated, integrated part of our conscious mind and our subconscious mind, um, that plays a role in, in our mental abilities and, and what is being controlled. And then there's the actual spiritual aspect that these are entities that exist beyond our dimension. And I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in between on that because I feel like it's kind of both. Um, yeah, I think I that, that our consciousness itself is beyond what it is. And we're, we're constrained into this plane at a certain level. Um, for our experience, whether you want to call that simulation theory or whatever the case may be, is that we are here. This is our, our mortal experience, uh, but we have a spiritual body that is able to perceive things beyond what our mortal body is. But while we're here, we're limited. So um, multidimensional 
you know, higher vibrational being that, that is able to um, exact change within our world um, and has, has positive energies uh, to assist and has um, negative energies to regulate when necessary. Do you think they know God? I mean, do they talk to God and so forth? Did they ever communicate to you? There's, there's um, what I believe kind of like a, you know, a a chain of command system for passing that information back and forth. Um, You know, there, there are certain, if you go through the different angelic orders, you know, there are, there are angels that are going to be closer to God than others um, in, in their, their various existence. So I think that there's some that communicate with God, you know, more so directly. others that pass information through other orders themselves. Um, but if we're all part of the same conscious mind, um, you know, it's kind of the same idea as, as an electrical impulse that's causing me to be able to use my brain to form these words and talk to you right now is at what point is it direct? Um, what, what pathway are we talking about as far as an, you know, direct interaction. And so I think that it's, it's too hard to explain. <laughs> Interesting. I think that it's. I think that it's. Um, it's something that I think our our mental capacity and the way that our um, our brain system works is similar to the way that the universe works, um, and it's probably the closest model of of consciousness itself um, to be able to say that these thoughts and this information and these ideas are being passed through a network of reality like that. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but that's, that's the best way I can try to describe it. <laughs> yeah. I got some sense of that. Yeah. It opens up a lot yeah. of really, Maybe. really fundamental yeah. questions. Right? There's, there's people clicking unsubscribe right now on the podcast. Me. <laughs> cancel cancel those fools <laughs> it, it reminds me of a, a friend who's a deacon in the gnostic church somebody mm-hmm. asked him uh, are the archons real and he's like well i don't know if they're real but their effects are real right and it's the same way with angels right uh, yeah. you may not see them but if you work with them they will change your life sure sure it's it's something that I, you know if you ask me you know have have these spirits caused a difference to you absolutely but i still can't you know say oh yeah that's that's my buddy mike you know let me call him over here and we'll grab pizza you know <laughs> he's so, a yeah he's a model looking guy with swan right. wings or something right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's very interesting and, uh what would you say uh angels are in other cultures can we see the angels are the gods of Samaria or the jinn of Islam, or what's a good point of relation? Or you say, I just all of the above. Sort of. Um, I, I think that there's, I think that there's some spirits that kind of cross pantheons um, and, and they have kind of transcended through different cultures, through different names. Um, you definitely have different systems and different spirits. And there's just, there's so many different um different lores with, with how kind of how the origins of these things are. But I think that there's definitely like the gin are in themselves very different in my experience with the way that they interact. It feels different. It sounds different. It looks different. Everything about that experience is, is a far cry from working with this system. And you spent time in the Middle East, so I'm sure. I, I have, and that was really interesting. <laughs> so where I was at in Oman, 
Um, there's a lot of gin lore there. There's, um, there's the cave of the gin. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's pretty freaky. Um, but, uh, they're different. Um, and I've, I've spent a fair bit of time, you know, communicating with Jen and working with them just to learn more because it's interesting. And, um, I, I've had good experiences, nothing that I, you know, disliked about it. It's just that that wasn't necessarily what ultimately called out to me as, as my go-to system. Um, but it's different. It's a very different experience. And I, and I get different kinds of feedback with, with, each of these kind of different types of spirits that I work with. So maybe they have a culture of their own and a civilization of their own. Mm-hmm. You think so? Mm-hmm. It's possible because I mean, if, if we're looking at things in a multiverse type of perspective that, you know, who's to say that these, these entities don't exist in this plane versus, you know, the angels existing in this plane, you know, and it might be a whole other world. And so, um, I don't know. I don't know how much you guys um, have talked about, uh, you know, people's experiences using DMT and ayahuasca and stuff like that. Oh yeah, plenty. There's there's so many different worlds that go on with those experiences that I think it's almost the same type of thing. Is that you you're not going to the same place every time, <laughs> and, and you're not dealing with the same people every time. But sometimes you end up interacting with the same people in the same place and going there again and again. And I think that that's something that in, in my experiences um, using those substances is that if I find myself going to the same place over and over again, there's usually a reason that I'm ending up there until I learn what I need to learn and get that information properly. And so um, I think that there's, there's probably something to that. There's probably some connection there. I haven't, I haven't figured that that answer out yet. Maybe maybe we can talk again in a year, and I'll have a different answer for you. Um, but you know, I know for example, um, everything looks different in these worlds. the 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 geography is is very different. The colors are very different. The entities are very different, and I and I don't think that is unlike the experiences of calling forth those spirits to communicate with us in this plane. Very cool. And you talk about mentalism in your book, mm-hmm. Max. Uh, what, could you share with the audience what that is? Um, read the Kybalion. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's a whole podcast in itself, I feel like. <laughs> uh, no problem. No problem. And what is the uh, Shem HaMeophora? So these... Um, these angels come from this, which is the the divided name of God. So this is um, basically just the the name for saying that this is the divided name. So um, these are taken from um, three passages in the book of Exodus, and when um, the mathematics of uh, going through, you know, geometry is a big deal within Jewish faith. Um, they found that there was, uh, the number 72 was associated with the name of God. So they started going through to research, um, where 72 might fall in, in the book itself. And they found 
these three passages back to back that each contain 72 letters. When those were arranged, um, right to left, left to right, right to left, it formed columns of these um, three letter names. And then the EL or the AH um, denoting the, um, the masculine or feminine association of that spirit was added after them. Those are each of the names that are assigned to these spirits. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, a lot of uh, interesting stuff in the Kabbalah, especially the early mm-hmm. Kabbalah when it was more mm-hmm. about yeah demons and angels and magic. So, right. uh, and you also mentioned the Zephyr Raziel. Uh, you say it's an important book. Uh, well, allegedly given to Adam. Uh, could you maybe expand a right. little for the audience? I found it very you interesting. Know, yeah, I, th- I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's obviously some lore in, in where that came from, but I think that this knowledge is um, saying that this is something that was passed down from from these beings to man to guide them in the right direction. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to get, um, get across in that legend itself. Um, but that's kind of the starting point for all of this. Uh, and so I think that that's a book, worth picking up it's it's you know one of those public domain books that you can get really cheap and uh or download for you know a couple bucks on kindle or something like that and and that contains kind of the basis for understanding where this all comes from and i tried to do the best i could in, in arranging that information to kind of get it to a to a good starting point but i'm also the kind of guy that even though i have what i need to make it work i still want to go back and be a nerd and learn as much as i can Right. <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and even though there's, um, you know, there's, there's so much information that I've put in here, I still think that all these other books that I reference and I have, um, kind of a little, you know, recommended reading at the back of the book for sort of what you'd consider a bibliography is that, um, read it all. Don't, don't stop with, don't stop with my book and, <laughs> and do that because I feel like, um, I feel like the more that you, you study and the more that you, um, attune yourself to this information, the more that things just kind of start to line up in your mind. And so, um, there's a reason that this information came to me the way that it did, but there's also a reason that the information came to all these other authors the way that it did as well. And I think that when someone takes the time to really put a book of magic together, um, that flow state that is achieved is, is not necessarily that I wrote this book. It's just that I was given this book and transcribed it from what I was receiving. You know, I, I don't know why I wrote this. Yeah. You are the next vessel in history to pass this, uh, sacred gnosis. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't just, you know, have set out in my heart that one day I'm going to write a book. It just, it was, it, it called to me and said, this is what has to be done. And it was, you know, you could ask my friends is it was almost this point of obsession because I was at the office until seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, every night and all weekend, I took no days off. And so outside of what my responsibilities were for running my businesses and keeping things moving forward there, I was working on this book all summer long, getting all my notes together arranging everything <laughs> and, wow. and it was just, it was, it was to a point of sickness to get this done. Um, and, and it was just, I, I know that when I got it finished 
and it was to a point that I was able to go back and print it and read it and make sure that it was the way that it, that it was supposed to be. It's like, I had the most overwhelming, like just emotional experience almost. I mean, it was like, like there was a, there was a tear, you know, when I was like, okay, it's done. Like it's, I, sure. I finished yeah. it, you know? And, and like I said, I don't know, I don't know at what point this just came to me, but it was like, you have to write this book. And so I did. <laughs> so, Oh, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm glad the spirits took over you for this. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there were times you were like, "I am going to break any second. This is yeah. too much." Must it have been was, draining on your soul too. It was, you know, because it was. It was like I was living and breathing this every day. Uh, but I feel like working through this, I was able to, you know, sharpen myself a lot more and, and take a lot more out of it. And in doing, in doing so what, one of the things that I wanted to do and felt compelled to do was work through each of these spirits myself and not just to a point of like, like taking the notes and saying, Oh yeah, this guy exists. And, you know, here's some notes about it is that I felt if I was going to write about these angels, I needed to talk to them myself and, and make sure that it was the way it was supposed to be. And, um, that's, that's not something that I would have necessarily undertaken, um, had I not worked on the book itself, you know, I mean, how there's, there's a lot of people that work through various systems of magic and you just, you know, you call on the spirits that you, you need for whatever that situation is. You don't just sit right. there and, you know, dial phone numbers and say, Hey, how's it going to everybody? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, so as they say, you, you ate your own dog food, you drank your own Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good to yep. hear. And uh, what advice do you have for people trying to choose an angel to work with? Because obviously, your book gives a lot of the the different systems that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, what's advice to give to people before they even uh, jump into your work? If if this is the system that you want to work with, it needs to be something that calls to you. Because if if there's something else that has your attention and you're trying to force yourself into this, especially if it's, if it's some dogma or some feeling that like, well, you know, maybe I should work with this magic because it makes more sense with what I was raised with or something like that. Make sure that this is what you want because the, the thing that reaches out to you and says, use me is going to be the one that's going to be most effective. And then in doing that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different situations that could arise um, I tried to do the best I could putting an index together to target kind of specific situations that are more trigger points for a lot of people of what they might be seeking guidance to assist with. But um, take the time to look through each spirit. And, and I've found that when, when I have a problem that I'm trying to find the solution to, something's going to jump out at me, whether it's, you know, there's, there's days that correspond in here uh, or, you know, musical notes and, and anything else, something is going to jump out and, and draw your attention. And then when something has your attention like that, don't second guess it, go with it, because there's a reason that that happened the way that it did. And I think that if you trust your, your instincts in selecting a spirit, you'll find a lot better results because there's, you know, there's tons of message boards that I'll go on and people are like, you know, oh, I need more money for, you know, my job or I'm trying to, you know, get a new job or, you know, this girl broke up with me and I don't know what to do or whatever. And everyone's just like, oh, call this guy. You know, that isn't necessarily always the answer because 
there's going to be some spirits that are more attuned to you and your situation or have an interest themselves in assisting with something. And those are going to be the ones that make the most sense for the practitioner to make use of, in my opinion. Awesome. And can you share what angels you personally uh, connect with or work with? Um, I don't know if that's something you can give away. Yeah. I, I hate, I I try to not talk too much about my own personal practice. Uh Um, there's, there's something in the level of secrecy there that I, I kind of like to keep to myself. Um, I agree. But, uh, you know, if someone, if someone wanted to email me and, and discuss anything, if they had a, if they had an idea of who they wanted to work with and had some questions, you know, my emails in the book, uh, in the, in the front material, they're welcome to shoot me a message and I'm glad to talk to people if they have any, any questions or needs. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, as we end, where can people find out more about you and your work and where to purchase the book? I don't have a whole lot of information about myself online with it, but uh, you can go on Amazon and pick it up. Um, it's, it's also uh, on Barnes and Noble um, books, a millions website. Um, the ISBN number, uh, can be ordered through any local, um, bookshop that, that carries Ingram books, which is most. So if you'd like to support your, you know, local occult shop, I definitely would love to see that, uh, go their direction as well. Um, it's book of the hidden name. Uh, you can, you can find it pretty easily on Amazon right now. I think I've got, uh, a fair number of reviews on there, so it should pop up awesome. towards the top. So awesome, good to hear. Yeah, I, like I said, this is an important book, and it's going to make a difference. Uh, but we are at the end. First, I'd like to say, Vance, thanks for uh, keeping us company on this very stimulating conversation. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's a good subject. So, uh, Max, uh, thanks for being yeah. here, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. Agreed. Well, Max, thank you very much for coming on Aeon Byte. Uh, good luck with this book. And we look forward to any future work you have if the spirits possess you and they don't kill you <laughs> next time. But, right. uh, <laughs> but good luck with everything. I'll send some messages from beyond if that's the case. So. <laughs> there you go. You'll still be right. Yeah. No excuse not to be on the podcast. Exactly. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, well, thank you very much and good luck with everything. Take care. And there you have it, my beloved truth seekers. Our first part of our interview with Max on the book of the hidden name. Feeling angelic or ready to work with angels? It gets better. In our second part, Max will discuss the power of symbols and how to work with them. We'll talk about ritual tools, including incense, as well as the key ideas on meditation when working with angels. Max will also talk about what exactly are guardian angels and what are spirit guides, and much magical more. So become an AB Prime member of Patreon at Patreon for the full angelic host. Only $6.99 a lunar cycle, or whatever you want to pledge on Patreon. You won't find this Gnostic and Hermetic content, or many of our guests anywhere in cyberspace or even meat space. When you subscribe, it will cost you about a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. 
Membership includes full access to more than 14 years of quality interviews. It includes an invitation to the Inner Sanctum of Gnosis Facebook group and the Discord channel, where many past guests hang out there, and I'm always there to answer your questions. Even support in the form of some shekels to PayPal or the U.S. mail really, really helps. Don't forget I'm offering voiceover services if you need some audio for any of your projects. I also have the merch store and an Amazon wish list as I always need equipment in this universe of entropy. Finding Hermes is going strong and so are our Virtual Alexandria exclusive private meetings that include spiritual and mental exercises loyal to the ancient Gnostics and a whole lot of stimulating conversation on many heretical topics and a Q&A. I've already given lessons on Gnostic chants, vowel magic, astral ascents, mystical Eucharist, and more. If you want to understand and experience Gnosticism in its full impact and liberating secrets, become an official citizen of the Virtual Alexandria. And as always, if you've got holes in your pockets due to the monkey shines of Archons, just let me know. I'll give you any full show on the casa. Do it all the time. You can do so many wonders. I just know it. I just know it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself. Your true self. Here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.